Welcome to the Mastering College Two Career Podcast. I am your host, the one that knows the most, Daniel Botero. In a world where eight out of 10 students are graduating without a job lined up, and 40% of graduates never work in a job that require their degree, this podcast is the solution. In this podcast, not only do you hear from my own personal experience, countless hours worth of research on this topic, but I bring industry experts to help students take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome, welcome back to the Mastering College Two Career Podcast. Today I have an amazing guest he is in the other side of the country. He's in the West Coast. I have Dr. Chaz. And Dr. Chaz is somebody that I found on LinkedIn. I've never met him in person. I found him on LinkedIn. And he has been speaking and talking and teaching individuals about careers. And so after I dived into his content, I just knew that I had to find a way to get him to be part of um, the show. And I'm not going to tell you why. I think you'll realize that as we go through the conversation. So, Dr. Chaz, how are you doing today? I'm great, Daniel. And thank you for finding me and thank you for the opportunity. Much appreciated. No, no. This is had, I, it really is a, a treat, not for me, but for the audience as well. Because you look at career so much differently than um, th- th- what most people would think about building a career. And so, I'm just going to start out with something that I saw that you see that everybody, we're in a, in a freelance economy, in the gig, gig economy. So can you elaborate on that thought a little bit? The way the working world in the U.S. is going is toward a gig economy. They say studies have shown that over 50% of the workforce within 10 years will be freelancers. What that comes from is companies do not reward loyalty. It's about short-term profits and about bonuses for the C-level executives. The most expensive thing in a company is labor. And they're not necessarily bad people. Um, if I'm running a company, if you're running a company, if any of your listeners are running a company, you want to cut expenses and increase revenue. The biggest expense you have is labor. If you can find a way to cut your labor expenses, that's going to help your bottom line and it's going to increase your bonus. And that means that instead of hiring someone full-time with, with benefits, you hire them as a freelancer, as a contract worker. If you can hire someone from another country who works at a tenth of the price, you're going to do that. If you can hire a robot, you're going to do that. This is the way it's working. The train is pulling out of the station. Either get run over or get on board. We have to adjust. We have to adapt and think of ourselves as freelancers because they ain't going to reward you like they rewarded your mommies and daddies and your grandparents for thank you for your 40 years of loyal service and um, here's your pension and here are lifetime health benefits. They will get rid of you as soon as they can. You have to expect this and you have to plan for it, which means thinking of yourself as a freelancer is essentially your own business. And instead of looking for a job, you're looking for clients. Um, and this way, you've always got money coming in, revenue coming in. Um, you're never going to be fired again. And you're always hustling for work like any good business does. So I would love to, you know, before we dive into some of that detail, can you share a little bit about, you know, your, your background, your story and how did you <laughs> end up 
doing uh, courses and teaching about this specific subject? I've been a college professor for close to 20 years, and my specialties were business and communication. And I saw a gap. And speaking to my friends in the business community, they would always complain, what are you teaching these kids? They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to write. They have no idea what my company does. They're completely unprepared. And I realized that was, in fact, true. They're learning uh, sometimes great things. Uh, they're learning critical thinking skills. They're learning communication skills. They're also learning a lot of busy work and useless theory. But they're not prepared for to take active roles in the business world, in life in general, uh, when they get out of school. So they fall into a gap. They have a piece of paper and lots of debt and either no idea how to get a job or no idea what they want to do. So I saw this gap, I saw this need, and I started to fill it by teaching courses and teaching people how to self-market, how to figure out what their brand is, how to figure out what specifically they can contribute based on their skill set and their accomplishments and their network that people will pay for. Um, so I started teaching at various colleges and universities. Um, I got my doctorate at Pepperdine, um, and it's about creating a model for training people in college in a mandatory series of courses. And mandatory is important, and series is important, those two words. So that they're trained, they, they're trained, and now they know themselves how to find work always. If you just rely on career counselors to do that, there just aren't enough of them. And I, if I'm a career counselor, I can't hold your hand at an interview. You have to know how to do this. I can't teach, I can teach you how to hustle, but you have to do the hustling yourself. You have to do the networking yourself. So I did the dissertation. I've authored two books. Uh, the second one was published by Cengage, which is one of the biggest educational publishers. Then leveraging that, and I, I do everything I tell my clients and students to do. Leveraging that, um, I contacted lynda.com, uh, which is now known as LinkedIn Learning. LinkedIn bought it. It's one of the leading distance learning sites. And I created and delivered, I wrote and delivered three courses online on how to find, keep, and leave a job. It's over three hours of material. And I've gotten people literally from all over the world to say how valuable these courses have been. Uh, most recently, I'm working with clients all over the world because of that. And most recently, for the last two years, I've been teaching uh, courses I design face-to-face. -face. They're free courses, believe it or not, at Los Angeles Pierce College here in L.A., um, which trains people on a new way of thinking. It's a different context. It's a different approach. Because what I find is people are still doing, and unfortunately, colleges and high schools and career counselors are still training them for the past. It's still for them about resumes and cover letters and how to dress for an interview and how to answer questions right. Well, if jobs are going away, while this stuff is still necessary, it's insufficient. I have to, I have, it's not about the content. It's about creating a new consciousness, a new way to think about finding work, not finding the job so much. No, and I, I agree with everything you said. And one of the things I kind of want to talk about is, you know, how do you, Train since like high school, even in college, for jobs that you don't know that they will exist or not exist in the future. If if I go back and I think when I was, you know, fifteen years old or even younger, I would I can't say that I wanted to be a digital media analyst or or a social media marketer. 
those jobs didn't exist. And so it's as technology evolves, how do you know that you, after you graduate college that the, what you learn won't be, you know, up, obsolete? And another thing, so I want to talk to you, talk about it. You, you talked about, so do you not recommend your students to focus on certain companies or industries that they want to work for? Do you, how do you talk, how do you get them ready and how do you, they know what skills they want to build to be able to land the, the freelance jobs or the jobs that they want? Good question. Um, you start with someone's passion. What is it you enjoy doing? Um, now, I created a term called monetizable passion because just because you love it doesn't mean you can make a living at it. Um, I use the SWOT chart, SWOT analysis. Um, it's a, it, to describe it, um, it's got four quadrants. Top left is S, strengths. Top right is what used to be called weaknesses. I call what's missing. So those two are what's you. And you write down either on your computer or on a piece of paper, what strengths do you have? What languages do you know? What software programs do you know? What accomplishments do you have? What education do you have? And then what's missing are the things you need. For example, if you want to become a social worker and you need to get a master's in social work, what's missing is the master's in social work. The bottom of the SWOT analysis is, which is OT, that's the market. O on the bottom left, which is opportunities. And T on the right, which is threats. That's the marketplace. That's market condition. So um, what, what I'm looking at and all my work is based on critical thinking. Uh, once you determine what you like to do and if you can make a living at it, then you use the SWOT analysis to figure out where you're at, what you need to get where you want to go. We start with the goal, okay, this is, I want to be a social worker. These are the steps I need to take. I want to be a social worker in China. Well, I don't speak Mandarin, so that's what's missing, and I need to make it a strength, because that's going to help me get work. This will work for anything, and whatever you're studying in college is probably outmoded. Doesn't matter. Get the degree. Uh, the degree itself is, is not important, or the knowledge isn't necessarily, because a lot of that's outmoded and a lot of it's theory and busy work. What's important is the credibility and the contacts that um, an education will give you. The learning is secondary or tertiary. Um, so go ahead. And, and what you mean by the contacts, because I, I want to talk about that a little bit on getting a degree, and because the fact is, a lot of this, there's this debate whether a university is going to get in your degree, still give you the same return investment, right? And I, I'm, in a, I'm in the podcast world, and, and a lot of the podcasts or even in, in, in Instagram or influencers, a lot of them don't believe in college. So they're always asking me to justify why am I so passionate about college and why do I have a podcast on trying to help college students? And you talked about getting the contacts and the credibility that you get from having a degree. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? It's like anything else it, in any business. And, and if you consider yourself a business, which you are, or you will be, you're a freelancer, you're a business. It's a cost benefit analysis. Is it worth the cost versus the benefit? It's the same conversation. And my work is unbelievably universal. It's the same conversation you would have if you had a business and you were deciding whether to get a delivery from what we have out here are sparklets or arrowhead. For, they deliver water bottles or to get a Brita water filter. You need to have water for the people that work there. What's more cost effective? You look at college the same way. 
Will it help me get work? Is it worth the investment? In college, you can't know necessarily. Um, I spent $70,000 of my own money to get a doctorate. It guaranteed me nothing. I remember the day I got it, I walked, and I, the next day I taught school, and I was in front of a college class, and I said, you, now you can call me Dr. Austin. And you know what else? Nothing. It's how you leverage that. And I, I know how to do that. I've been able to do that. So it depends on the field. Do you need it? If you're an auto mechanic, unless you've got a, an extra hundred grand lying around, you don't need a college education. That's a waste of time. If you want to be a social worker, you absolutely have to get a master's in social work or you can't be a social worker. So this is understanding the bottom of the SWOT analysis that what's the market going to need? For me to be a college professor, I had to have a doctorate, period. Whether it makes sense or not, them's the rules. So you have to understand the marketplace. Like any business does, you have to understand the marketplace and what's going on out there and always be, avail always be apprised of what's going on in the future. So years ago, bachelor's degree was enough. Now a master's degree has replaced what a bachelor's used to be. The problem is people still believe in this idea, oh, once I get to college, then I'm guaranteed work. And it's just another tool, like a resume, like a cover letter. It's necessary, but insufficient. So you have to decide in your field, in talking to people in your field, in networking with people in your field, do I need a certificate? Do I need a degree? Do I need to learn Mandarin? Do I need a master's? And then go for it if that's in fact what you want to do. So what, how do you understand what you want to do, right? Like how, before you even get to the SWOT analysis and I understand what is it that I need, how do I figure it out what I need? I think when, I, when I'm talking to students, right, and I've talked to thousands of thousands of students, the biggest, the biggest question is, I don't know what I want to do, right? Like, I, I, they change, 80% of students change majors. Mm -hmm. uh, it's delaying the, month, the, the time they graduate. Um, and 80% of students are not in their first job. They, they keep switching careers. So how do you advise them to figure out what they want to do? I, what I do, I have what, a student information form for all my courses that I have people fill out. And one of the questions is short-term goal, and another question is long-term goal. And I tell them at the beginning, I have no idea is a valid answer to both. Some people don't. College students don't. It's okay. You may stumble on it. My wife is a social worker, and she knew at 18 that's what she wanted to do. It took me decades to figure out what it is I wanted to do. This is the latest career. So one thing you have to understand is um, it's okay to not know. Number two, if you're a millennial, you're going to have seven or eight careers. So don't sweat it that this is you know absolutely like I'm married to this forever. And unless you're fabulously wealthy and don't have to work, get to work. So I've had this so often come up with students and clients. I don't know what I want to do. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to pick three industries you think you might like to work in. It's like dating. Yeah. And you go and meet people in the field. You let people know these are the three fields I'm interested in. Do you know anyone I can talk to to learn about it? Yes, I do. Great. And those people will tell you when you meet with them, you should come to this meeting. You should read this publication. Uh, we have a conference coming up. You should attend. And just like a date, you see if it resonates for you. If it does, then keep pursuing it. And don't worry about it. You'll find a way to uh, take your skills and use them there and increase them if it's necessary. 
to make it in that field. And then within 10 years, you'll be doing something else anyway. But you can then take those skills and move them over to the next field and add to them. So it's okay not to know. Most people don't. You're going to have lots of careers anyway. Don't sweat it. Get to work. You'll learn on the job anyway. So you talk about finding a job being like dating and actually use that analogy all the time. But you don't believe in marriages in this case. I, well, it's not, it's not like a marriage. You may have a career. I, this is my life's work. Yeah, took me years to get there. You may have a career, but it's not job-based. It's based on your thinking of yourself as a series of assets that you can bring to a particular market. So you've got your assets at a target market. It's not jobs-based. It's about your talents and your skills and focusing on a target market. So you're, you're free of any particular employer and you're not, uh, you're not at their mercy, like, hey, we just merged. And sorry, you're out of, you're out of luck. A perfect example, uh, well, Disney is absorbing Fox Studios. 7,500 people are gonna lose their jobs. These are experienced, talented, creative people, some of whom have been there 20, 30, 40 years, and there's no work for them. And some of them are my clients, and it's like, I'm not working in the entertainment business anymore. It's dried up. But they do have a skill set yeah, that I, will, I work with them, and they can take it somewhere else. So it's not that this is the new way of thinking. This is the contextual shift. It's not thinking about getting another job. It's thinking about, like a business, these are the assets I have. I can add to them and target a specific market, and I can always make money, and I'm never on the unemployment line again. That, that, that's, that's great. <laughs> so, you know, um, you talked about, you know, companies merging or even cutting costs and stuff like that. So, and, and, and I, that's, how do you, do you feel that companies, and this is a little sidetrack, should give employees two-week notices just like they want employees to give them two-week notices? Um, it depends on the company. If, if you were working sales for me at a company, um, if you stay there for two weeks, you're done. I'm just paying you to sit around. You've got no motivation to continue. Um, so it depends on the circumstance. Uh, the, the problem I know in California, I don't know Florida and other states, California is an at-will state, which means if I'm an employer, I can fire you for any reason whatsoever. You have no protection at all. Florida is the same. Yeah, it's all rigged for the employer. So um, that safe harbor that, that employment offered where you were loyal to a company and they were loyal back, that's gone. It's just gone. So we have to make, instead of looking back at, gee, I wish it was that way. Gee, I wish, I wish for a lot of things, but they've gone away. You have to look at the future and make adjustments accordingly. And, okay. One of the things you talked a lot and you, you've briefly talked a lot about uh, here is talking about running yourself as a business, right? And one mm -hmm. of that as a business is about the brand, right? So, uh, I would like to talk a little bit more about how students can brand themselves. And it's something that I talked about in, in a previous episode in debt, because one of uh, the marketing professors, uh, Dr. Messiah, talked about how everybody's a million dollar brand. If you add your income for the life of your career, you'll, you'll earn more than a million dollars. But I would love to hear your perspective on how students can brand themselves in this new world of how they find, you know, as a freelancer. That's 
that's the work I have to do with my students. Um, the, the courses I teach at, at Pierce College is a 12-hour course, which is sort of an appetizer. And then we get to the main meal, which is a 36-hour course spread over six weeks. And we go into depth about what it, what what's your brand, basically what are your assets? Yes, what, will, what do you have people will pay for? And people do not know how to self-market. I'm teaching a whole new set of skills. Um, and they constantly undervalue themselves. They don't, you know, I can do this too. Oh, really? You can speak Spanish too and you didn't mention it? Well, I didn't think it was important. That sort of thing. They don't, they don't understand marketing. What I, have, what I develop with them after 48 hours together is a marketing sensibility. So they say, oh, I can do that. Oh, I knew this person. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. This is something I can monetize. So it, it's a training. I consider myself a career trainer. Um, and my LinkedIn profile says um, it's training people to self-market for the gig economy. So I have to train them into a new way of thinking. It's a contextual shift. So as we do that, you start to get a sense of what a brand is, how you are a brand, how you're going to have to hustle it, and all the things you have that people could buy, which you've never thought of yourself that way before. But it expands your whole outlook um, in terms of, it's rather than looking at a specific job, it's much broader. These are the specific assets I have in this industry. And if I add to them, people will pay me for access to my time and talent and skill set. One of the things that I see when I'm putting myself in the student's shoes and if I'm gonna run myself as a company and I'm gonna run myself as a freelancer, I might be afraid that if I do that, I might be deterring companies because they might be thinking he has no loyalty, he's just gonna come, do a job for me and then use me as a stepping stone and then go on to another job. So why would I even give him the opportunity? valid concern you have to that's part of marketing is you don't walk in there saying hey I'll, I'll be here for a few months and i'll learn everything i can and then i'll be your competitor um it's come on you've got to be sensible about this um you're listen like like any freelancer you're loyal to the company for the time you work for them and if companies are smart, they have to think, and that's the way they're setting it up. They don't want you as a full-time employee. They're not giving you benefits anyway. You're on a six-month contract. So they understand that too. Now, if you're smart about it, what you do is develop relationships with people inside the company. Find your specialty in that industry. Go off on your own. And that client or that former employer now becomes a client of yours or is able to refer people because you have a special niche which adds to what they do or it replaces something that they haven't been able to do, okay? And they can refer to you. So they become an ally and a contact and you're doing business with them, either directly or indirectly. Okay, and so when I look at me being a business, right, especially as a startup, so I am a college student, I'm a startup, I have this mindset going for me right now, right? I either can, Focus on being a specialist or a generalist. What do you suggest students to go? Or is there a right answer on that? Yeah, I, I wish I could give you a right answer for everything. I, it's like when people ask me, what do I say if they ask me X in an interview? I said, it depends. So um, I'd have to look at the market you're in. Um, and how, first thing we're going to look at, you need to make money. So, so we look at the low-hanging fruit. What can you offer and make money at directly? Um, 
as soon as possible. And then you can expand out to a, a more general uh, sense of offerings. But it, it probably, for the most part, you specialize in one particular thing. Like I'm a specialist at Photoshop. I'm a specialist at Illustrator. I'm a specialist at AutoCAD uh, and I speak Spanish. One of my students, um, he is licensed by the IRS. So um, his specialty is tax preparation, but he also speaks Spanish. So what he's doing in terms of target market is people who need help with their taxes in his geographical area, which is the San Fernando Valley out here, and they speak Spanish because the tax code is tough enough. If, if English is your first language, imagine you've got to go through that extra step for Spanish. So that's who he's targeting, and he's going after uh, uh, chambers of commerce and groups that, where people speak Spanish, business groups. Um, that's, that's his first market. He starts from there. That's the low hanging fruit. So that's his specialty. Then he can broaden out. He can do taxes for anybody, but he's more likely to get work immediately. We're looking for him to generate revenue as quickly as possible from people in the Spanish speaking community. And he's in a great place because there's tons of people that speak Spanish here. So, so yeah. it depends. It depends. But that would be the strategy for him. Start specifically and then broaden out. Perfect. So doc, Dr. Chaz, um, Generally, I always try to end up with this, with this question. Students have, you know, a lot of times that are, are listening to this podcast, they're multitasking, you know, they're either at the gym, they're, you know, driving to school, going to work, whatever that might be. And if you can hope that they take away one thing from this episode, what would you hope that be? Wow. Um, I, I did a podcast yesterday for someone uh, who works in mental health. And she asked me a similar question, which was, you know, are there other resources that people can go and find? And I said, can I answer no? I would have to say, because what I do is so unique um, that they contact me directly and I'll be happy to work with them virtually if that's what's necessary. If they're in Florida, wherever they are, um, if they're in L.A., they can certainly come to my courses. They're free. Anybody can show up. Um, and they can read my books and, and watch my uh, LinkedIn learning courses. Because um, again, it's a different way of thinking. So um, I, I guess maybe start thinking differently and work with me and I will guide you through this. I've had enormous success over and over again in different environments. I've worked with people from the ages of 14 to 80, if you can believe it. And it's the same conversation because we've all been blindsided by this and nobody quite knows what to do. They're still hanging on to the old ways and that, you know, old school stuff. It's not enough anymore. I love it. And I've personally watched your LinkedIn learning video. And if you're a student, uh, I believe that as a student, you have access to LinkedIn learning. If it's not free uh, at a very discounted price, so definitely take advantage of that. Um, Dr. Chess, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I will definitely put your information on the show notes so people can link up with you and contact you. Um, thank you so much. And can't wait to continue to be in touch with you. And for everybody else listening, catch you guys on the next episode. right now you my friend have made it to the end of the podcast i want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you 
for being different and taking control of your career. Doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.